Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Today, my message is titled, In the Company of Peace. In the Company of Peace. You know, it's Christmas time. Hello. It's Christmas time, which is an exciting time for all of us. Uh, maybe not for everyone, but I think in a lot of ways it brings up a lot of good memories for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, also it's, it's a time of a lot of surface level conversations. Anybody agree? Where you're like, what, what are you most excited to eat at Christmas? Like, it's like we, we talk to people like this is a normal conversation piece. Or even Casey's like, what do you want for Christmas, right? We have these conversations with people just trying to fill in the gaps of, of what Christmas is about. One of my favorites being, are you a real tree person or a fake tree person, right? Anybody in here? Can I ask this question? Who's a real tree person? Okay, I see you. I see you. Who's a fake tree person? Those are my people right there, okay? You just go, you're my people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That hasn't always been the case, actually. Um, I grew up near mountains, and we would get up after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, get in our minivan and drive up on the mountain and walk in the snow with a saw, and we would go cut down our Christmas tree. That's where we grew up. I'm used to going, getting real Christmas trees, putting them in your house, smelling the aroma, all these things, right? But then something happened a couple years ago. And we even decided before we got married, we would always have real Christmas trees no matter what. And a couple years ago, something happened, and I will never have a Christmas tree in my house ever again. A couple years ago, Brianna and I went to this Christmas tree farm. And we went out, and we got to cut down our own tree. It's, you know, kind of normal where we come from in Seattle. You go to a Christmas tree farm. They give you hot cocoa. It's freezing cold outside, and you go cut this tree down, and... We go to this, find the perfect tree. We're so excited. We strap it to the top of our car. Super classic Christmas vibes. And we start driving home. We get home. I chop off the bottom of the tree, and I carry the tree inside and make a mess, but it's all a part of it, right? I bring it inside, and I put it in the tree stand, and I tighten it all down. We water it, and there was the glorious, big, massive tree taking up our living room. And we were so excited. We decorated this thing. We put all of our decorations on it. Every year we buy each other ornaments for Christmas. And uh, we started popping on all the ornaments. And ever since we've had kids, we buy them ornaments too. So we got a lot of ornaments. That's really intense. We put all these things on it. Got it all prepared. And I remember just celebrating. Here we are. We have arrived. Our house is ready for Christmas. Anybody get excited when that happens in your house? Three people are excited about Christmas decorations in your house today. That's okay. Note to self, let's take down all the Christmas decorations out there. But uh, we get it all ready. We're excited. And at the time, we actually had a dog. We no longer have this dog. But um, this dog was new to our household by a couple weeks. And it was sitting in its, in its kennel at night. And it was about a week and a half, maybe two weeks after we had gotten this tree. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the dog starts barking. And that's a terrifying sound in the middle of the night. I mean, 2 a.m., so I turn on all the lights, you know what I mean? Like start shouting down the stairs, hey, what are you, you know, whatever. And I come downstairs and I look and the dog is in its kennel and I look outside and there's nothing outside. You know, I'm shouting outside, trying to scare people away, trying to look bigger than I am. And nothing was there. 
The next night, the same thing happened. About 2 a.m., this dog goes crazy. It happened about three more nights, and I think it was the fifth night. I decided I was going to sneak down the stairs now. Right? I'm not going to run down the stairs and make a bunch of noise. So I snuck down the stairs. I had a flashlight in hand. And I come around the corner, and I turn the corner, and I flip on the light real fast, and I see a mouse run out, and it squeezed underneath my garage door and ran into my garage. So I'm running over there, and I'm like, no way, not in my house. We hadn't seen any mice in this house. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like fearful, right? I'm thinking, when there's one mouse, there's a lot of mice, right? So I go grab some duct tape, and I start taping every door. I'm like, I'm like putting cardboard on everything. Any crack I see, I'm like duct taping everything. I'm like, it works for ducting. It'll work for doors, right? So I do whatever I can, and I lift up my couch and find that the mouse had been living under our couch for a little while and had a little house and a lot of poop and a lot of pee. And then I go over to our oven, and there was more poop, and oh, it was just terrible. And I spent the next couple hours cleaning our house of all this stuff before our kids got up. But I don't know if you've ever experienced a mouse in your house before, but it's a pretty terrifying thing. You think... You know, everything has gone wrong. Your house is infested with all these little animals eating all of your food and going into everything. But for the next little while, I was looking everywhere for this mouse, and I couldn't find it. I set a bunch of traps, couldn't catch this mouse, and I was confused. Why did this mouse get in our house if there's no other signs of mice? And then I looked at the Christmas tree, and I walked over to the Christmas tree, and I started digging through the branches, and I found a little home for a mouse inside of our Christmas tree. What did we do? Ripped our decorations off that, threw it in the backyard, lit it on fire, and went and bought a Christmas tree at Costco. You know what I'm saying? And now that thing is strong and beautiful and big, and we don't care anymore. No more real trees in our house. It's so funny such a small thing can cause so much worry and so much doubt and even ruin traditions in our household. But I'm like, I'm never putting a real tree in my house again. It's not going on our stage. It's not going anywhere because I'm like, mice are going to go crazy. It's wild that little things in our life can cause so much worry and anxiety, these little things. And I think that's the case for all of us. When it comes to conversations, when it comes to your life, when it comes to the questions that go around in our minds, whether they're small or large, our minds can constantly be caught up in worry and anxiety about these things. And they end up becoming giants in our minds. And I heard this example of a story one time where some friends went up onto a mountain and they were going hiking. And they started their journey together. And when they started, every time they would stop, a friend would take a rock and put it in their friend's backpack. And they just kept going along and they kept putting a rock in the backpack and he started trailing behind and trailing behind and finally he was way behind and they had to wait and he finally got to the top and he was having this super hard time and they stopped and they were all laughing and they're like, look in your bag. And there he was with all these rocks and dumps it upside down and the rocks fall out. And I really think that our life today, if we can be honest, is a lot like that, where we come into life and we experience little tiny things that take worry or take we we fear about them or we're anxious about them and they start to build up in this backpack and they become more weighty and they take more emphasis from us than they should and I pray today that we can lean into the peace that God has for us you know that for so many of us it can simply be 
a shower talk in your mind. It can be driving in your car. It can be a conversation with a friend. All of these little things can rob us of our peace. And today, I pray that we can lean into the person of peace. We're in the company of peace. So I want to explain this scripture a little bit and hopefully open it up for us this morning. If you're awake, if you're with me, I want to lean in a little bit and hopefully we can capture a little bit of more of the peace of Jesus in our lives. In Isaiah's prophecy, this is 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah spoke these words and it says, for to us, a child is born and to us a son is given. First of all, I want to emphasize the fact that you have been given a gift of Jesus. Each and every one of us. It is to us a child is born. It's not me. It's not you. It's every single one of us. It is inclusive. The gospel is inclusive, church. Today, I want you to realize that, that it is your gift, and you can own that, and understanding that this gift is for other people as well. And it says the government will be on your shoulders. And I want to encourage you, the first step in in walking in peace for us, it says it so clearly, is we have to stop putting so much trust in the external things. Stop putting so much trust in, honestly, the government or other things to answer our needs for peace because can we see here that the government is on his shoulders? He is the foundation of peace. He is the foundation of ruling. And we need to put our emphasis and trust in the foundation rather than whatever is built on top. It says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And the government will be, or the greatness of his government, and peace, there will be no end. I read this this week and was really challenged. I thought, I've been reading this my whole life and feeling like it's just a classic verse that we just kind of read. And yep, that's the Christmas verse. Read that before Christmas and you're going to learn, you know what I mean? Like you get it. But what does it mean and why are there such specific titles for him in this? And there's four specific things that are said. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And, and I really came to this term and I was looking at this word counselor and I go, counseling leads to resolve. Mighty God, mighty can lead to victory. Everlasting means that it's going to outlast everything else. And prince means ruler. And I realized, I put it together, that every single one of these things leads us to peace. Every one of these things leads us to peace. Let me unwrap this a little bit more into each of these categories. First of all, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Meaning, he will advise you and he will hear you out, church. Last year, I was dealing with a bunch of things from our last place we were a part of our last church. And I was going through a lot of anxiety and stress and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And someone had recommended that I go and get counseling, professional counseling. I was one of those guys who was like, don't need it. You know what I'm saying? What are they gonna, they're not going to tell me anything that I haven't heard before. I can just tell myself, get over it, and just do it. You know what I mean? But I was having issues trusting leaders. I was having issues understanding how church should really work. And so what I did is I finally caved and went and got counseling. And I tell you what, that first hour session, I was a mess, just a wreck, bawling the entire time, realizing, 
oh my goodness, like I actually needed this counseling. What it was doing was pulling things out that I had pushed down. What it was doing was really bringing resolve to the areas of my life where I felt like, uh, you know, no one else was struggling with that thing. And I was all alone in that. And yet he would tell me, no, this is a very normal thing to experience with that kind of trauma. And through that, I found so much healing. And I would even encourage each and every one of you, if you're struggling with something, go find a counselor because they can really, really help you in so many ways. But I want to encourage you today that the scriptures say that God is the most wonderful counselor. We can't be closed off because we don't understand it. We don't understand why. We think we can maybe overcome it by ourselves. I want to encourage you today that he is a counselor and he's the most wonderful because he sees and he knows everything that you're going through. He also cares and loves you more than anyone else and he will be patient with you with your process. We have the arrival of someone who's going to walk you through your trials and counsel you through it. We are in the company of peace. Number two, Jesus is our mighty God. Everybody say mighty God. Meaning he is stronger and bigger than your circumstance. See, we're talking about the same mighty God that stopped the sun in the sky at Joshua's request so that the Israelites could win the battle at hand. You might be thinking that your debt is too big. You might be thinking that your situation is too grand. But let me remind you today that he is mighty. He is stronger. He is more powerful. And he is bigger than anything that you face today. Deuteronomy 3.22 says this. Don't be afraid. The Lord, your God himself, will fight for you. He is a mighty, mighty God. If you've ever watched a war movie before, any war movie in there, as much as the action might be awesome and, you know, the storyline is wild within all of it and you're seeing the airplane fights and you're seeing all the fighting and all these things, we all await the moment when it ends. We all await the moment when it comes to completion at the end where there's peace. Wouldn't you agree? Because yeah. it brings the resolve that we want from the battle. And I think in a lot of ways for us, we have to understand this, that God brings that resolve. He brings that peace at the end of the battle for each and every one of you. And that's what he is. He is a mighty God. Number three is this. Jesus is our everlasting father, meaning he's not leaving you and he never will. He will outlast your hardship. I love the fact that Carrie even said this before the song. And I can't even picture a better song that we could have sung for today than names was such a beautiful representation of what God wants to do in our lives. But she even said today, maybe you, maybe you haven't had a great father or you haven't had a father at all, but know that God is the everlasting father. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Such an appropriate thing to say. See, in my life, I've actually had a pretty great father. You know, not most people can say that, but he's a very integritous man, a guy who uh, pastored a church his whole life and has been married to the same woman and, you know, raised me and my brothers and did an amazing job and was a great father. But can I tell you that even as great as he was, he still failed, right? I mean, he was not perfect. And even with me and Brianna, I'm trying to be the best father I possibly can be. But can I tell you almost every single day I fail? Is that okay to say, can we be honest in church or everybody's just staring at me now? That's great. Okay. We'll get the band. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. But 
You know, I think about the fact that we actually have an everlasting, perfect Father who will last through every single one of our things, every single one of our doubts, and that brings comfort and peace. So isn't it beautiful? We see this. We have this. The wonderful counselor bringing us resolve. We have the mighty God bringing us victory, and we can have peace at the end of the battle, and the everlasting Father outlasting our trials. And the last one is the Prince of Peace, meaning he is the sovereign ruler of peace. And it says this. It really, I really believe it says he is actually the ruler of peace in your mind and in your heart, and that he's in control. His arrival on earth brought with him peace that transcends all understanding. And through his death on the cross, we receive the fullness of that peace in our lives. Today, we are in the presence and in the company of peace. Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, it says this. He surely took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. See, we have to understand that what Jesus did on the cross is the resolve of peace. When he died on that cross, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. It is final in your life. This peace is final, and he is the ruler of it. In every way, he didn't just bring peace to the earth. He's not just the ruler of peace. He completed it in your life by going to the cross. And you can walk in assurance of that today. Amen? So it's interesting, you know, like when preaching about peace, you can just talk all about it. But there has to be some sort of practical way in which we achieve peace in our lives, right? Because we can try to approach the hardest thing in our life with Lord, just bring me peace in this moment, but we just can't find the peace maybe in the moment that we're looking for. And so I want to help us today to understand how we take hold of peace. Are you with me, church? In John 16, 32 through 33, it's the second scripture we wrote. It says, or read, it says this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And three quick promises I see from that scripture is this. That in Christ we can have peace and we will experience trouble. Isn't that just encouraging today? Somebody just receive a little note. We will experience trouble. And the last promise is that he has overcome the world. These are promises, right? In the understanding of the fact that in this life we will experience hardship, but we have to just take heart. We can look ahead of us and go, oh, something will come. So how do I capture this? How do I hold on to the fact that he has already overcome that? So when the trials and the hardships arise, we can have a different position. We can hold our head high. We can look at the situation and go, no, 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 no. My God has already overcome that so I can stand firm through that. See, your circumstances, your current pressures, and your backpack full of worries have been overcome in what Jesus did on the cross. And he brought forth the power to defeat the enemy. See, when a loved one wanders from God, in Christ we can have peace. When your life falls apart, in Christ you can have peace. And when the wall of finances is too grand, in Christ you can have peace. And when the decisions in business are too heavy, in Christ you can have peace. We just have to trust in God first. Trust in God. 
Know that he's already won it so we can trust in the end goal and trust in that. This is my worry box. Everybody say worry box. Uh, I know it's a Tupperware container. Thank God for Tupperware. This worry box came from an interesting time. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but in January, uh, Brianna and I moved down here to plant a church. I'm 31. Uh, she is 29. Uh, gearing up for her 30s. Hello. Four kids, 29. Crazy lady. Um, but we set out this year to plant this church. And when we said yes, it was us. We're talking less than a year ago, 11 months ago, when we said yes, it was me and Brianna. We didn't know if anybody was going to come. We were just stepping out in faith that God would provide and make a way as we step out to plant this church. Then all of a sudden, a day later, the Westbergs hit us up. Shout out to the Westbergs. Do you guys love the Westbergs? Could you guys wave? And they have a baby on the way, so praise God for that. The Westbrooks hit us up a day later and said, we're coming. We're going to quit our jobs and we're going to move across uh, the planet to the crazy place called Florida, which we all love more than Washington. Um, and then a week later, the Hansons, Tyler Hanson, who's always on the guitar right here, and our kids pastor, Caitlin Hanson, moved down. A couple weeks after that, we found out the walkers were in. It's so cool how God provides all of those things and starts to bring peace through every trial and everything that you encounter in your life, but I'll tell you what, the last 11 months of being here, um, you know, really have not been easy. You rock into Florida and you stand on, on a platform and announce a church and all of a sudden you just got to go full send. We got to plant a church. So you're last minute trying to scramble together meetings and figure out who's going to take what ministries and figure out how to raise money to plant a church in a city that you don't even know except for the last year. Really, it's, it's been a very stressful, stressful time, and especially the first eight months of planting. Uh, it was very stressful, and Brianna can, um, you know, can tell you this as well. I was having a really hard time figuring out how to navigate, carrying every ministry and navigate how to, to release people, yet create culture, yet create systems, yet create organization in the midst of all of this and raise all the money and figure out how to preach messages. It was crazy. One morning, I was sitting out with my kids and playing, and I was stressing out, trying to write down all these to-do lists. What should I do? How are we going to do this? And then Casey McGinnis calls me. Of course, I pick up the phone, and we're talking, and he's at his parents' house. And, and he says, Alex, have you ever read this book, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle? I said, no. He's like, it's new, and I'm reading it right now, and it is you know, changing the game for me and how I look at the world. And I was like great, I need that right now. You know what I mean? It was one of those mornings. I'm like, I've already had a couple of cups of coffee. My mind is going crazy. I don't know what to do. And so he tells me, you should read this book. I'm like, great, let's read it together. So I proceeded to download the audiobook and went straight through it front to back, five hours straight, listened to the audiobook. Because it was just one of those days that I was like, I need this peace and I need to win this war in my mind. Well, can I tell you, one of the things in the book, and about the middle of the book was the worry box. And Craig says, go find yourself a box and find some note cards and write down every single worry that you have. And he says, after you write your worry, you hold it up to God and say, I trust you with this thing, and then you put it in the box. So, and then he says also, 
When you decide you're not going to trust God with that thing and you want to keep worrying about it, you open up the box, you pull that thing back out, and you hold it up to God, and you say, I no longer trust you. I'm taking this back and put it in your pocket. Could you imagine doing that? No way. You'd be crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy to hold that up to God and say, I no longer trust you, God. Well, I didn't put this into practice for a couple weeks. I remember still going through stress, trying to take all this knowledge I had learned and apply it to my life without taking action. That's key. We got to take action. If you want peace in your life, you got to take action. You got to lean into the things that God has for you. You got to take action. One foot after the other, take action. And so I remember it was two weeks in. I was stressing out. And I decide I'm going to Walmart to find a box. Cheapest box I can find. You know what I'm saying? Find a Tupperware container, find some note cards, right? One Peter 5-7 on my worry box. And it's cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. This was an emotional moment. As I started to write down every single worry in my life. Every thought, every doubt. Is this person going to stay? Are they going to want to last the distance with us? Is, are we going to raise the right kind of funds to be able to do this? At this time, can I tell you, church, before I did this, we didn't even have this building. So I'm writing things, and it's still in here, and it's, in a, it's a testimony of God's faithfulness. But I wrote, God, help us find somewhere to do church in Tampa because every door has been closed to us. And I wrote all these down. I put them in here. And I said, on every single one, I trust you with this. Can I tell you that peace that transcends all understanding came, filled my heart, filled my mind, and I have not looked back. Maybe little tiny stresses, and every time I do, I run to my worry box, and I throw it in there, and I go, all right, God, you got this. It has been the most stress-free three months of planting a church I've ever experienced in any ministry ever. I'm having more fun than I've ever had right now. Raising kids, being a husband, more fun being a pastor, more fun preaching. Whenever I'm like, man, I don't know if they're going to like my message this weekend, write it in the worry box and throw it in. God, I trust you with that. You know what I'm saying? And I've just come full of faith, expectant for what God is going to do. And never once have I gone back to this box to pull out. That thing to say, I don't trust God with it. I really want to encourage this church, the fact of what Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, hear me today. Give Jesus, the ruler of peace, all of your stuff. Give him all of your worries. Give him all of your cares. I can promise you this. You will have trials in this life. You will fall short. You will experience hardships. But when you trust in God with your life and process, he relieves you of the weight and carries it for you when you come to him. Stop carrying weight. You don't have to. Get the rocks out of your backpack, church. Dump them on the ground and walk in the levity that God has for you today. He's overcome the world, and we are in the company of peace. So what do we do? We trust in God. He holds everything in his hand, and we present our requests before him. I'd encourage every person in this room, go get a worry box. I want to hear the stories. I want to hear the stories in a couple months, how you gave it up to God, and how God has gone before you and provided every single thing, and you've enjoyed the process so much more because you weren't carrying the weight.
Number two, walk in his strength. He overcame the world, so now you can overcome. Number three, this one's a little interesting, but follow the peace. Follow the peace. He leads you with peace. If you're in a situation where you maybe aren't feeling peace about something, maybe you've made a wrong turn along the way. See, if, if we really believe that we're in the company of peace, then we should be experiencing peace with our decisions. And I would encourage you, church, you know you're on the right track when you're operating in the peace that God has for your life. Want to know if you made the right decision? Follow the peace. Follow the peace. See, church, when we don't trust in the Prince of Peace, we live our lives devoid of peace, and we then carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. When we trust in the Prince of Peace, we live lives full of peace, and we then trust in him to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. We want to do that today, amen? amen. Carry the weight, Lord, carry the weight. So we are in the company of peace. His arrival brought peace to earth for us. His death and resurrection opened the door for us to live in peace by overcoming. And his second arrival brings the completion of the eternal peace. I want to invite the band up as we close. And peace is only and will only ever be a person, and that's Jesus. Nothing in this world will ever satisfy your need for peace. Only Jesus and Jesus alone and his favor rests on his children. A couple of years ago, it was probably like um, maybe six years ago, seven years ago, <clears throat> we were just quitting our jobs in, at my parents' church where we were youth pastors for four and a half years. Um, where of which, I hope Manny's in here. Manny, are you in here? He left. Hopefully he'll come back. Where of which we met Manny, who was in our youth ministry years and years ago and is now here uh, ministering and building teams and being a part of our church here. But Manny was a part of our youth ministry. One of my main disciples, I remember countless nights when Manny would sleep on our couch or I would go pick him up early in the morning to go do devotions with him or I would bring him you know, the new Coke freestyle machines just came out and we were so excited to try every single flavor. And so we would go do this. I'd pick them up from school and we'd go try these brand new Coke freestyle machines. And I was discipling Manny. And if you ask Manny today, he would say in that time, his relationship with God was through me. And he didn't have this relationship with God outside of me, really. And so Brianna and I left to go plan or to be a part of this church. And, and Manny was there left with, you know, a youth pastor who was kind of a little bit distant. And so Manny had a time of wandering. He was about 15 years old, and he stepped out and started kind of going his own way, kind of telling his testimony a little bit, but had a season of wandering and had a season of discovering the world for himself and trying things and entertaining the world a little bit. And I remember asking people about Manny, hey, how's he doing? And they're like, not good, not good. And didn't really know how to come alongside him, feeling like I've let him down in so many ways and so carrying unneeded weight and burdens and, and not really just stepping out and saying, Manny, come over, like I need, let's, let's do this, let's, I'm gonna partner with you, but feeling almost guilty that I left him. I went back a couple years later to lead worship at my parents' church and, and, uh, and Manny rocked up that Sunday. So I went and grabbed Manny and we stood, or we sat on my parents' doorstep after that and had a conversation about the journey he had been on and how he had wandered from God. And 
I kept saying, man, like, just come back. Just find your way back home. Find your way back to the freedom that God has. Find your way back to the life that he has for you. And Manny's like, I just don't know if I'm ready for that. And kind of like, you know, we ended it very awkwardly and we left in that time. I remember getting in the car. I don't know if you remember this, Brandon, but I was weeping. Feeling like one of my first real main disciples in my life I had let down. Feeling like, like in every way the weight of the world was on my shoulders and that if, because I left, now all of this happened and it's my fault. There was no peace in the moment. Well, that night I had, we had planned to take my team to a Bethel concert in Seattle and I got all my team together and we, we drove over the mountains and I got my team and we went up to this concert in Seattle and I remember sitting in this, this moment just weeping, thinking about Manny. I couldn't even worship. I was just going, I have let this man down. And Stephanie Gretzinger gets on the stage to sing and she says, I don't know where you're at in this moment, but I want you to know that peace isn't a substance. He's a person. Peace isn't a thing. It's a being. And when you draw near to the peace of God, that peace will cover you. And I remember in that moment just feeling that peace that transcends all understanding, that peace that comforts and cares for you in that moment. And I began to see clearly that God had a plan for Manny's life regardless of the present circumstances. I began to see clearly that it wasn't my weight to carry, but Jesus went to the cross so that Manny could have freedom. And I started holding my head high and praising through that moment going, you know what? Manny is going to come around. And I began to pray and pray and pray in that moment. Can I tell you, it was just a short year later, his mom calls me and says, hey, can you write a letter to Manny? Because we want him to come over to college. And a year later, Manny comes to Bible college and he's graduating in just a couple days with his bachelor's degree. Can I tell you today that God has a plan and a purpose for people's lives? And we're not meant to carry the worry, the anxiety. Lean into the peace that God has for you. Peace isn't a substance, it's a person. You know, all of this wrapped up in that scripture and the prophecy of Jesus coming. The peace that we need in our lives. And I read this at the end, the last verse, it says this. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Would you stand to your feet? The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Church, hear me today. There is no thing that is too grand for God. The passion of the Lord will accomplish this. The fact that he in his being is passionate about you, about your life, about your process, and he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. He loves you and he cares for you and the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Amen? Amen? We're in the company of peace. We're in the company of peace, the Lord Almighty, the ruler of peace. And he's bringing resolve. He's fighting our battles and finding victory and he is everlasting. 
and he rules peace. You know, today as I'm speaking, there might be a couple people in here that are hearing me talk about this life of walking with Jesus and encountering this peace and you haven't even taken the first step in all this and or maybe you're someone like you hear the story of Manny and you can identify with that exact position you go yep I'm in that season right now where I have been wandering and I have been trying the ways of the world rather than following the ways of Christ and I want to encourage you today that today is your day to come back to Jesus today is your day to find Jesus so if you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes across this room to give some privacy for this moment? And if that's you, if you heard me speaking and you go, yep, that's me. I need to come back to Jesus or I need to get my life right with Jesus. I'm going to count to three and at the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand just as an acknowledgement, just testifying the fact that you want to step out today. One, remember this, that God loves you no matter what. You can't run too far. You can't be too far for God. He will pursue you, and he cares about you right where you're at, right in your filth, right in your hardship, right in your trial. He loves you. And number two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. You might not have all the answers. You might not even know what this fully means, but I encourage you, take the step of faith today. If that's you, three, would you raise your hand across this room? Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise for the people in this room. Yep, I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on. What an incredible day. Come on, can we lift up a shout of praise for people coming, returning. All of heaven is rejoicing, church. All of heaven is rejoicing. So to those of you who raise your hand, we're all going to pray this prayer today. And this is your first step in the journey of acknowledging Jesus as Lord, and we're going to ask everybody to repeat with me and say it together. Dear Jesus, come on, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a brand new person and give me a brand new start that I may walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose again, and that you are the king. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, Grace City, Tampa. Let's lift it up. Praise the Lord for what he's doing in this house. So I know speaking on peace is kind of a hard topic in such a chaotic, crazy world right now. But I really believe God has peace for you in this Advent. And in the waiting, in the in-between, he has peace for you. So would you all just raise your hands and I'm gonna pray a blessing over you and then we're gonna sing one last time and experience the full measure of the peace. Lord, right now, many of us might be carrying things we were never meant to carry and right now, Lord, I speak release in this room. Lord, I pray in every single way, the burdens we have been carrying, would you release them by the mighty name of Jesus? You are our counselor. You're meeting us right where we are and you're taking us on the journey. Lord, you are our mighty God. You're fighting our battles and you hold victory in your hand. You are our everlasting Father. You're outlasting every trial, every circumstance. And Lord, you are the ruler of peace. So we offer them up to you and we worship you in spirit and truth. We give it all to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.